Sounds to uplift. Sounds to uplift. And inspire on the World Show with Nikki B. When did you start playing the bass? I grew up in a household that wasn't uh, very, very musical, but there was always instruments around. There was piano and guitars and percussion instruments. And my mother li- loved to listen to a very wide variety of music. So um, I just always was kind of tinkering on the piano and stealing her guitar and bringing it in my room, you know, trying to figure out how to play, but mostly self-taught. And then in high school, I actually joined as the singer of a punk rock band. I grew up in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., and there was a very uh, vibrant scene for punk rock music there. So that was my first kind of real entree into making music with other people. And uh, honestly, I was kind of a bit of a troubled kid. I had a lot of uh, some traumas and things, challenges as a youngster. And just getting into that band and the feeling of community around it really inspired me to want to go further and explore music. So that was when I I just started listening to every kind of music I could get my hands on. And I really fell in love with the music of Miles Davis and Charles Mingus and John Coltrane and uh, the bass sound on those recordings just really connected with me. You know, I had messed around on guitar, but I, I, I didn't feel like it was my instrument, you know. And then as soon as I heard that music, I just kind of knew I needed to play the bass and the double bass specifically. Um, I didn't really start playing electric bass until many years later. And I moved to California and uh, immediately just immersed myself in studying jazz and classical music in school. And uh, yeah, it just sort of blossomed from there. Yeah. So how old were you when you started playing the double bass? I was, I believe I was, I was 19. So it kind of came to it later, a little bit later, but I was very focused. I was. I knew it wasn't uh, thrust upon me like a lot of kids, you know, they're like, here, you're going to play the clarinet and you're going to play the trombone. And no, it was very much my choice. So I delved in very deeply immediately. and the practices of your parents uh, impacted on your on your ex- creative expression? Well, yes, that, that did have a big impact um, growing up in a house where yoga and meditation and Eastern philosophies, uh, a lot of, you know, non-traditional thought compared to what was going on in my community. Um, I grew up in the 1970s and 80s in Washington, D.C. area, which is uh, fairly conservative at the time. So we sort of stood out. So I I kind of knew there was something different, you know, which I think um, allowed me a feeling of possibility 
that, you know, oh, I didn't have to trod the, you know, the well-worn path, um, just for starters. Then also the practice of meditating and uh, pranayama, breathing, uh, as well as asana practice from, I, I, I don't remember a time when I didn't do that stuff. So it, uh, it definitely <clears throat> affected me in, uh, in all kinds of ways that I probably can't even quantify, but I do think it, it gave me a feeling of connectedness and um, the ability to sort of change from within, you know, and to, to grow from within and not always looking to external sources like the education that I was getting, you know, in school. Um, and my father, my stepfather taught Aikido. So I did a lot of Aikido practice, um, which also involved meditation. And uh, it's, it's sort of a non-violent form of uh, martial arts. So it taught me a lot about that as well. Um, and then as, as a kid, I don't know if I really um, thought about infusing my music with that so much. You know, I was in, into punk rock and sort of aggressive music. But as I got into other types of music, acoustic music, I started to see how, even without trying, that was that was making its way into the music. And with Phisonics, it was sort of my first project where I thought, you know, I'm not going to resist this. I'm going to invite this into the music. So that uh, I think it shows in the music. It's very meditative and has like a um, an attempt to connect, you know, with something inside yourself and give people uh, a good starting place for connecting within themselves. So yeah, I think it's 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 uh it's been nice to see that the the experiment has been working fairly well. <laughs> I love the way you refer to it as an experiment. Yeah, it's always an ex it's all an experiment. <laughs> That's what struck me when I first heard your album, which was the second album, is the sense of healing that comes with it as well. The way I perceive it is that you're almost working with frequencies. Do you perceive it as such and, and understand it beyond music as frequency? Indeed, yeah, yeah. I think when I'm writing, I'm usually, um, I try to get myself into kind of a peaceful state where I'm open to the inspiration that's in the air, you know. And uh, I think that tunes me into writing with certain frequencies and combinations of tones and rhythms that hopefully is uh it's certainly put it helping me put get into a state and that i hope that it can help the listener get into a state where they can connect with themselves and and hopefully feel more connected with others um but it yeah it does have to do with the frequencies for sure like there's enough tension but not too much tension you know of healing and inspiration on the world show with Nikki B. Well, Phi is the math mathematical representation of the golden mean. So the golden mean in um, art or science is this sort of reoccurring pattern that we see. And it's uh, 
for a lot of us represents uh, kind of a balance. And uh, and I liked that. I liked that idea. And then Sonics is just the idea of trying to approach that balance through sound. And I gave it the alternative spelling to sort of reference psionics, which is, you know, mental power. So we're using our mental powers and sound to try to find this balanced place. Tell me about the first album and the making of the first album, The Cradle. Well, it was, um, I think the song, The Cradle, was the first piece that I wrote. It was sort of the the um, North Star for the project in a lot of ways. And that I think I wrote in about 2012. And I was just sitting in my room, uh, in my house, and uh, it just came to me. And I thought, oh, that's something. That sounds like I could almost build a whole project around that sound. It took me several years. Um, but then in the later 20 teens, I um, I sort of saw the world getting a bit darker and a lot of political strife and and um, a lot of tensions. And I thought this this music seems like a good antidote, <laughs> at least for me, uh, to to delve into. Um, so I started trying to write music that was uh, complementary to that. And I I would just, mostly I would sit at the piano and just let whatever came come out. And if it felt like it would work with that, then I would try to develop it more. Um, and then by 2019, I had what I thought was an album's worth of material. And we started getting together here in this tiny studio. And uh, no headphones, no click tracks. You know, we were all close enough that we could have reached out and touched each other, you know. And what came out was this very intimate sound um, where we're all making a sound in the room together. It didn't really have to do a lot to the mix. It was like we mixed it as we were playing it, you know. And... I, I decided that I was just going to put it out myself. I did, had no idea that there was this kind of spiritual jazz scene. I had sort of uh, separated myself in some ways from modern music. I mostly just listened to old music. And I had no idea that people were doing this music, you know, contemporary versions of this music. So I thought I'm just going to put it out myself and I'm going to press it on vinyl because it just seemed like music that people would enjoy hearing on vinyl and I put it out myself on I think March 6th of 2020 so about a week before everything shut down and you know I had gigs booked to promote the album and you know present the music to people live and everything and those all went away and I felt a little despair at first but then I realized that this could be good people are home people are having a lot of feelings maybe this music will connect and maybe people will have the time to listen to this sort of patient music and um, I think I was right in some ways that that 
it connected with people in a way that if they were going about their busy lives, that maybe it would have just sort of gotten lost in the shuffle. Um, and then uh, Matthew Halsell from Gondwana Records in the UK found us, possibly also because he was stuck at home <laughs> and searching for new music to listen to. And uh, he really helped us out. He re-released that album. It's a deluxe edition. And and signed us on to do the second record, which he really helped a lot with. You know, he we did a lot of back and forth about ideas and um but yeah, the first record was very organic, very um not self-conscious in terms of like where it fits in the musical landscape of today. It was just sort of Here's this thing I love and I'm going to do it, you know. Kaya 959. The track is called Like Glass from Fisonics of their first album, The Cradle. Kaya. Kaya 959. Songs of healing and inspiration on the World Show with Nikki B. Certainly songs of healing and inspiration. Speaking to Seth Ford Young of uh, this amazing uh, group, um, Fisonics, I want to know more about the recent album, the one that got me to know about Fisonics. It's called Octava. The theme of the album is change, personal change. So um, the idea of the octave has been explored in a lot of, I mean, obviously in music we have the octave. It's it's just the same note, C, say, one octave higher. It's um, the same note, but it sounds different, right? It has a different feeling to it. So the idea of personal change where you've, you move through the steps of the scale. You have tensions and struggles and, you know, some of the notes feel tense and some of them feel like a release. And then you finally arrive at this octave. You're still the same person, the same note, but you're vibrating at a higher frequency because you've, you've learned all those lessons and you've overcome those obstacles throughout moving through the scale. So, that was sort of the concept of it. And there just happens to be eight songs on the, on the album to each representing, you know, one of the steps in the scale. Yeah. So just a blending of sort of uh, spiritual self growth ideas with music. And you spoke about uh, the cradle as almost what I'm feeling from you is that it was almost created like a live album in some ways. What was the recording process for Octava? What was the difference or similarity? Very similar. Um, instead of recording in my tiny studio here, I we actually recorded in my house, which is just there. You can see it probably. Um, I just ran a long cable into the house and connected the microphones that way. So very similar uh, approach. We were all very close together as a bigger room so we could sort of create a little bit more sound. I wanted a little bit bigger 
sound, especially from the drums. Um, so he was a bit further away from us. He could feel like um, freedom to play a little bit more. Uh, but I really like the feeling of live and finding those that energy in between the notes um, where we can connect. And I, I, I've done a lot of studio work in my life as a studio musician with headphones on and, and you get, you're in this little box, you know, separated from the other musicians. Sometimes you can see each other, sometimes you can't. And, and you can make great music that way, don't get me wrong. And it definitely solves a lot of technical problems. But being in one room together with no headphones and, you know, you kind of stop becoming aware of you you sort of forget that the microphones are there almost and you can just make music together so i wanted to keep that feeling in, in octava as well we uh we did record two of the tracks in a studio in town here um it was early on during covid and we thought maybe we should be in a much larger room where we can have distancing and everything um and we used i think two of the eight tracks are were recorded there but it, we did the same thing we no headphones no click tracks no we were still just an even larger room <laughs> noble group on the world show with nikki b Kaya 959, absolutely beautiful. The world needs this kind of music for sure. Lunar Reflections from Fisonics of their latest album, Octava. And before that, you also heard uh, an offering uh, from Fisonic of the album, Octava. I'm Nikki B. This is The World Show speaking to the founder of this amazing group, group Seth Ford Young. And I wanted to know about the other magicians. Oh, I meant Musicians. Kaya. 959. Songs of healing and inspiration on The World Show with Nikki B. Well, uh, the the group is uh, Sylvan Carton, who is a great friend of mine. We've been making music for maybe 15 years uh, on and off. We both lived in the San Francisco Bay Area together for a long time and then happened to both move within a mile of each other in Los Angeles. So we just knew we needed to do something together. And he creates so many different textures with his various flutes and saxophones. Um, I mean, he plays a lot of other instruments too. Hopefully we'll get some of those instruments on the records at some point. Um, so he's been great. And he, he definitely is a integral part of the band. And then Josh Colazzo plays the drums. And uh, he and I have also been playing together for a pretty long time, basically since I moved to L.A. 13 years ago. Uh, we were in a band together called Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. We kind of traveled the world together. And um, we share a love of older style jazz like Duke Ellington and Fletcher Henderson music like that um, and I just knew he had this swing he has a very specific swing to his playing and uh, I wanted that even though this is like a contemporary group and 
there's not it's not like a music someone would swing dance to but there's there's a feeling to the swing that he has that i wanted to keep um he's also a composer so i know when i bring him some music he'll approach his drumming as a composer an arranger uh, which i think is great it really and then Mitchell Yoshida is playing the, the Wurlitzer piano, which uh, is a pretty special sound to me. That particular electric piano sounds different than the Fender Rhodes or some of the other uh, electric piano instruments you hear. But he also was in Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros with me. Um, and he just has, I mean, he has tremendous facility, but he also has a lot of restraint. So it's nice that he can play these very textural um moody things and then he will pull out some things that have a lot of technical fire um but in a way where you almost don't notice it i mean if you really listen to the piano you go oh wow this this is a virtuosic playing but if you're kind of just uh casually listening to the music you might not notice it which i just I adore that. Um, I, I like fire and flash, but I don't want it to distract from the overall effect of the music. And I think he's just brilliant. Yeah, I, I feel really fortunate to have all of them involved in the group. You start with an invocation. Tell me about yeah. invocation. Yeah. I mean, it certainly hopefully served that purpose to call in the, the good to call in the ancestors and the the energies that we want to start on this journey together um, from an energetic place that's that's what it's about um, musically I, I felt like it, it it felt like an old something old to me it's something ancient and so uh, that connection to the ancestors and the old old energies. I felt like I wanted to reflect that in the title of the song as well, you know. Um, and the the melody at the end that repeats several times, I, I felt was like a call, like a like a not just a call to the past, but also like a calling, not to arms, but to a call to action. I guess let's get prepared. Let's let's start this journey, you know. Songs of healing and inspiration on the World Show with Nikki B. I have to ask about We Walk in the Garden of Our Ancestors, because as you know, that's the song I've been playing the most. Yes, I love that you've been playing that one a lot. Um, yeah, that one, it's funny. I, I, I thought of that as kind of a quirky piece. I wrote it as a solo bass piece originally. I've been working on a on an album of solo bass and that was one of the pieces that I came up with um, but then I started to hear well, I think this would sound beautiful with flute and Sylvan plays the alto flute on that so it's a lower sounding flute um, but the idea of the music and the title is I was actually just walking around my garden and I live in the middle of Los Angeles. It's a huge metropolitan city. But 
I, I have very humble home, but we happen to have a large yard garden with many, many trees and old shrubs and plants. And, and I was just appreciating that, you know, our home's a little over a hundred years old. And I was looking at the trees and I was thinking, you know, a lot of these trees seem like they're maybe around a hundred years old. And I thought how clever and, you know, what foresight for someone to plant all of these for me. <laughs> so they can shade the house and in the summer we don't have to use the air conditioning and we enjoy the beauty of what was planted here so long ago. And I just really, my thoughts ran away with that. And uh, that helped me to complete the, the music, but it also, um, I think it just gave it a certain color and a certain, a certain feeling, you know. And I also, as my thoughts were running away with it, I thought, well, what am I planting? You know, I'm going to be someone's ancestor someday. Um, even if I'm not going to have children, I'm, I'm still an ancestor, right? And so this is my, this is what I'm planting is the music, you know. These are my, this is my garden. Sounds to uplift and inspire on the World Show with Nikki B. Lastly, New You. New You. Yeah, New You. That one, um, it's, that one was one I, I wrote many years ago accidentally. I, I come up with things I'm driving in the car or walking the dog and I, I come up with a melody and I quickly will record it on my phone. Um, and then very often I'll, I'll lose that or forget about it. And so many years went by and then I found myself singing that melody again, six, seven years later. And I thought, well, if I can remember it all these years later, maybe this is something that I investigate. And I looked on my phone, I couldn't find it. And I thought, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to write it down, you know? So I wrote it out and I wrote it in the major key. And then I, I later in the process, I actually went and found, I did find the original. I'd written it in a minor key, same melody, but just with minor chords underneath it. And it wasn't nearly as nice. So I'm glad that I couldn't find it at first. But the idea of New You, well, it's the eighth song. It's the octave. It's it's arriving back at Do, if you know solfeggio, you know, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. And, and it's a new you. It's a, you're still you. Your name hasn't changed. You're, the person you are yourself is not changed, but it's maybe a little bit rearranged and maybe a little bit stronger and vibrating at a higher frequency. So that's the idea behind that song. Songs of healing and inspiration on The World Show with Nikki B.